Metallica, here they come, the kings of metal. Hey, this is Squindo, and you're listening to Metal Up Your Podcast. Podcast. I'm Ethan Lucky. And I'm Clint Wells. This is episode 268. We're going to dive right back into the blacklist with the part three. Yeah, there's a part of me that's excited to hear all these songs because some of them are surprisingly really good. Yeah. There is a part of me also that just wants to get the black album out. Done. I mean, we're into 2022 now. We're still talking about it, but we got to finish it out. We got to finish it out. We got to be thorough. That's and, right. You know, going through these songs, like I just said, has been pretty surprising. This Jason Isbell one that we just listened to. Kicks ass. It's fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I know it might be a, a bit of a tired thing to say at this point, but. Me and Clint love when people make it their own, and uh, there's a lot of tracks on this collection that uh, are that way. Um, the verbatim ones, kind of boring, but uh, this one, Jason, I mean, those I dudes killed a, it. Yeah, I think as a rule, they kind of are. There's some of them like that Royal Blood one that was kind of verbatim. Here's the deal. There's a bit of an intangible involved. You kind of just know from your gut if it's got the sauce. Right, yeah. I think I said it last week. If you're going to do it the way it goes, you better bring some fucking heat. Bring the heat, yeah. So... Because then there's the songs like that Volbeat one that the verses sound a lot like the record, but then the chorus, they just sprinkled all this little magic dust yeah, on it. Yeah, exactly. I, mean, I was listening to that just for fun last night in the headphones. Yeah. Volbeat. That even might make... So we're also... We're going to be finishing this project up, listening to this album next week, I think, and we're going to do our top 10. Yeah, for sure. And That'll be fun. Even that... I mean, that Volbeat song might make it in my top 10. I mean, the top 10 might be tough on 53 songs. It's going to be fun, though. And I was thinking, yeah. I don't know, is it too negative to do a, uh, a sort of... Um, Top 10 least favorite? Or like a five five worst shots at it? Uh, I don't know. Maybe. Let's, let's pray about it. <laughs> pray? Prayers. Wow. I only prayed to Satan. Is that cool? I just said pray about it. Pray to whoever you want. You know, when I introduce people to Lunar Satan, by the way, welcome to Metal Up Your Podcast. Ethan and I are <laughs> two professional musicians who talk about Metallica every week because they're our favorite metal band. I do feel the need to tell people that I don't believe in Satan. Right, right. It's actually my Christian friends, like you presumably, who actually do believe in Satan, which to me is strange, but I have to let them know. I actually don't believe in like gods and demons and stuff. I just like to write about it. Right, and you did a great job at it. Because someone might think that like I'm a Satan worshiper. I know. Which would be bad news. I mean, that would be a strange... <laughs> well, I mean... Wouldn't it be strange if I worshipped Satan? It would be very strange. No judgment out there to any of you who do. Right, right, right. I know we have some Cannibal Corpse fans we out there. We have some Cannibal Corpse fans. But I, in fact, don't. Right. You just like the, you, you like the imagery. You like the idea. You like, I like it the way I like horror movies. Sure, yeah. I like stories. Right. And the story of Satan's fun. And I, by the way, my story of Satan, 
not exactly theologically cogent. Uh, I mean, have you checked with any theologians yet? I mean, I made it all up. Okay. So I don't know how to cross-reference <laughs> it with, you know, right. the theology of Satan. Right. Um, you know, him being in space and all. Sure. I don't think a lot of ancient writers thought or knew much about space. Hades didn't mean space? <laughs> no, that meant hell, dude. What? Come on, man. I know that much. I know. <laughs> but anyway, um, why did we start talking about Satan? Um... Oh, I was saying, you know, we'll, we'll pray about it if, oh, as far right. as uh, uh, making a, a top ten or top five you know, worst songs. I actually toured with a guy who was pretty religious, and me and him would have... It's a guy you know, but I won't say who it is right now. Sure. And, Paul uh, Moak. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could tour with Paul, honestly. He's, he's in Lunar Satan if he wants to be. Right. When we get asked to go open for Ghost in uh, stadiums next year. But, right. Um, we would always have lighthearted ribbing. Sure. And then occasionally we would have a glass of whiskey and we would have like deep talks. Going to deep, yeah, going to the deep world. But the um, underworld, if you will. We had a pretty a pretty solid friendship. We have a solid friendship. Yeah. And uh, he liked to pray before every show. Yeah. And it was kind of a big deal where he, we'd get together in a little huddle and he would pray. And he he always expected me to poo poo it or not take it seriously. Right. And I was like, dude, I'll pray with you. I mean, I I don't know who I'm sending it to. Right, right. Um, but I'll I'll earnestly be with you in this moment sure. you know but we always made a joke where you know he would finish and say amen and i'd be like and now for the dark lord and then because <laughs> i was like hey this we have a lot of you know equity here you can't like religiously discriminate against me in this band yeah for sure so now it's my time to pray to satan <laughs> which i of course didn't do oh you wouldn't do like a, a jokey prayer well, I mean, again... Oh, he, is that he, kind of the punchline? And now to the dark No, point. I don't want to take it too far, because, again, he actually believes in Satan. Right. And Satan to him is an extremely, to put it mildly, an extremely nefarious character. Sure. Who thwarts everything he believes in and cares about. Right, right. And who he sees as an actual enemy. Sure, Of yeah. his spiritual soul. Most most uh, people <laughs> do in that, in that world. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, you know, I, I have a, uh, an intuition about how far that joke should go. Sure, of course. Because, again, I respect him. What can I yeah, say? for sure. I'm a great guy. Well, yeah, I mean, you're joining in on a pre-show prayer, even though you're, you're, you're not a, a, a Christian. Or, It'd be you know. pretty weird if I declined. I think, um, I think that would be kind of stinky. Maybe so, yeah. I mean... I'd have to find a way to do it in a very cool way, but you know what's easier to do? Just close your eyes and hope for the best and put, yeah. your, put your arm around your buddy and just be in that moment with him. Yeah, sure. Because he never... If he had made it more like he was trying to convert me or something. Right, yeah. Lord, let's have a good show tonight. And I pray for Clint and his soul. <laughs> exactly. That he finds the light, you know. <laughs> he know, and Actually, honestly, he would joke sometimes in the prayer about me. Right. <laughs> but it, it, you, I mean, if you're emotionally intelligent at all, you suss out all the vibes. And sure. the vibe was always very loving. Yeah, right. And the vibe actually was really about there being space for all of us. So yeah, yeah. that's cool. If that's what your prayer circle's like, I'm in. Sure, yeah. As long as I can just bring a little, you know, satanic Bible in my pocket, it starts burning in my pocket. It's just always smoking. Yeah. <laughs> are, you, well, are you smoking a cigarette? No, no, no. That's a satanic Bible. No, that's yeah. That's my uh, Anton Lavey uh, Bible. <laughs> it doesn't like to be around prayer circles. All right. Well, listen. We're going to burn the blacklist down. We were going to try to knock it all out today, but it was too many songs. So once again, Ethan and I have each selected five. We're going to be talking a little bit about each band because now that we've sort of gone through two episodes of. I mean, I think we naturally have gravitated towards artists that we know. Sure, of course. And now we're kind of starting to get down into the, who are these people? Exactly, which has been a, I mean, there's been some stinkies, but there's yep. been some really nice treats for sure. Well, 
you know, Jason Isbell, who's an artist that we play with sometimes when we're out on the road, and right. her, his guitar player, Sadler, is kind of the godfather of the Morgan Wade band. That's right. He produced her album, so it was a treat to hear them cutting it up on yeah, Sad the True. Yeah, for sure, yeah. If you don't know, Jason Isbell's a four-time Grammy award-winning Birmingham or Alabama-born like Muscle Close, Shoals. Muscle Shoals, yeah. Alabama-born but Nashville-residing right. artist. And uh, let's see... Formerly of Drive-By Truckers. People right. kind of know that Southern rock Yeah, band. but he, I mean, him coming out on his own, making his own solo records. I, I've listened to some, some, some Truckers stuff, as they say, the fans say. Yeah. Um, it's, it's cool. It's a cool band. Um, you know but his solo shit, I just love. Yeah, he's got an album called The Southeastern. That's the one kind of that g- people generally consider his masterpiece. Right, his yeah. post-sobriety record. Mm-hmm. And um, it's actually Tom Cui who kind of got me into the Truckers, believe yeah. it or not, being from Alabama. Okay. Well, he was just like, you really got to check that shit out. It's fucking awesome. And uh, I downloaded like 10 smatterings of songs. Mm-hmm. And it's it's pretty good. Yeah. But it's one of those weird things where they had two lead singers. Right, right. Like, there are bands like the Beatles or the Eagles where everyone's trading vocals, but it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm, totally. It doesn't really change much. Right. With the Truckers, I kind of felt, it was like this with Uncle Tupelo also. Did you ever get into them? A little, uh, mildly. When I was Jeff Sweetie's previous right. band with uh, Jay Farrar. Who went, so Jay Farrar went on to do Sunvolt. Yeah. Jeff Tweedy went on to do Wilco. And it's the same deal with Uncle Tupelo. When each of them were singing their respective songs, it almost felt like two different bands. Yeah, for sure. Uh, there, there's an, uh, do you ever get into the old 97s? Yeah, old 97s, Rhett so, Miller. So, so mostly Rhett Miller would sing those songs. But right. One or two tracks on record, the other guy would. I think it was the guitar player. And they did, the songs just, there was still that alt country vibe, but they just didn't have the mojo that Rhett songs had, you know? so Kind of like when uh, the bass player sings for the Goo Goo Dolls, which is one of the strangest things Robbie, I've, I've ever guy. seen. Yeah, for sure. If you're a casual Goo Goo Dolls fan, which is what I kind of am, yeah. I went to see them because I actually I'm a huge Counting Crows fan, and they were doing a show with the Counting Crows. You go there expecting to hear Iris or Name. You want the or, hits, yeah. Yeah, the hits. They got a lot of them. And when they let that guy sing his like little punk rock, he sounds like a gremlin. Yeah. It's like He talks like a gremlin. I've, I've, it's like, I've had dinner with him one time. Was he a gremlin, actually, in real life? He was in New York and kind of talks like, he's kind of like Uncle Clinton, Uncle Ethan. Hey, get over here, kids. <laughs> Sit with me and my wife. Have some catering. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's, he's got a very affected voice. He was very nice, by the way. Well, anyway, uh, Jason's charity, speaking of uh, Christianity, is Nashville Rescue Mission, which I didn't know about this, but apparently it's a, a very Christian community that helps the hungry and homeless with their needs. Nashville Rescue Mission is pretty huge around, around town. That's, okay. Yeah. Um, well, me being cool. preoccupied with Satan and all, I don't know if I would have cross paths with them that often. Yeah, probably not. There's not the na- uh, natural satanic rescue mission. You can start it, maybe. <laughs> just a black building That's downtown. A, I'm going to quit my gig and quit my all my podcasts and just devote all my time to the... To the, a satanic, satanic nonprofit. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, non-religious people do a lot for the world. Um, of course. But... I don't know if I have the energy to to do that right. for Satan. I just like to imagine your your headquarters in downtown Nashville. It's like all the new construction, new hotels, condos, high rises, and all of a sudden there's just this one black two story building. <laughs> it's like a skull, right? And there's always smoke billowing from it. There was a uh, there was a theme park we always went to in Panama City Beach growing up, where uh, the ride was called Dante's Inferno. Dante's and the Inferno. whole the to get into it, the whole building of it was just Satan's face with his tongue out. <laughs> and I'm, we would go there every year, because I'm from Alabama, we would go to Panama City Beach for the... For, yeah. We're rednecks. That's what rednecks do when they want to go to the beach. Sure, it's your Disneyland. And, I mean, for maybe 10 years, I wasn't tall enough to go in. Right. So for 10 years, and you know, I was, I've been preoccupied with horror films and stuff since I was... My first memory is watching Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. So for like 10 years, I just was like, what's going on in there? Yeah. And then finally, I remember the exact day when I was like, I'm tall enough to it's go into time. Dante's Inferno. <laughs> Not that great of a ride. Well, at least the entrance is cool. 
the 10 years leading up to it was actually more juicy than the actual ride, which yeah. is actually sort of a metaphor for life. My, uh, one of my best friends uh, resides in New York City, owns a few bars up there, got into the bar business because of his uncle. And his uncle, at one point in the 90s, owned a 70s-themed bar, mm-hmm. and he walked into the bar, and he walked through Gene Simmons' mouth. Love it. Tongue out and everything. Love that. Yeah, yeah, totally. Straight into an orgy. Straight into an orgy. <laughs> <laughs> that Gene Simmons is somehow the center of. Okay, so let's do a little bit of housekeeping before we dive into these next tunes. And I'm also pretty... So we, we started the episode with Sabbath True. Great version. Great version. That version is definitely in contention for a top 10. Absolutely. Um, and we're ending with a surprising, a surprisingly beautiful version of Sabbath True, also by Sam Fender, mm-hmm. who does a um, kind of a piano quartet orchestral... Very sparse, very emotive performance of right. Sabbath True. And he did the thing where he does, he, and kind of what Jason did, He the chords are different, mm-hmm. melody's different. Jim James did this on Nothing Else Matters. He definitely did. <laughs> what really remains is obviously the lyric, which you can't really change the lyric when you do these. That doesn't work. Right, yeah. Um, but what remains is the lyric, and I think like original emotional intention. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, even phrasing can be different, all that stuff. Because that's actually the key, too, to getting it right. If, you, if you're going to reimagine it, the key to really getting it right, the home run, to hit a home run, if mm-hmm. I may use a baseball euphemism. You shall, you shall. Is matching the emotional intention of the original. Yeah, for sure. Although the Jim James one went from minor that's to true. major, very happy. That's true. But but it did. I wouldn't say retain because that's not the the emotion of the original song. But it did it, it did keep an emotion where I felt really like uplifted. Well, you know you what know? you know what actually, and I, this feels a little forced here, okay. but what I consider nothing else matters to be is James Hetfield actually writing a love song, but trying to put it in the dark confines of Metallica sure. because he didn't want to seem wimpy. Yeah, and maybe Jim James making it major and kind of loosening it up. Mm-hmm. Maybe that is Jim James kind of honoring. The intention of the song, yeah, maybe because so. it's, it's straight up a love song. James has said it's about some, ch- you know, a chick that he was dating and he was missing her on the road. Yeah, for sure. Now James was scared to show it to the band because he's big bad. This is this is like James with a Z, exactly. So this is big bad front man of the biggest band ever, James. Yeah, and so he made it all dark and brooding with a big minor guitar solo, and he kicks the stool and he yells, "Yeah, twice." Yeah. So maybe Jim James is like, "Why don't we?" Jim James is like, "I don't have a dog in that fight." Yeah, I don't. I don't have any, any anything to prove. Why don't I just make it a sweet love song? Jim James was like, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna rewrite this as Hetfield originally intended. Right. <laughs> he wanted it to be an they're E like, oh, major. You, they're like, did you talk to James about it? No. No, I just know. Did you read that somewhere? No. No. Don't almost know nothing about Metallica. It's just what I felt spiritually. Yeah, felt spiritually, and I know that James <laughs> felt the same way, but was you know couldn't couldn't uh, find it in his heart to show it to the guys in in, in a A major. Well, you know what I would like to do first of all. I'd like to thank a couple of new patrons. Uh, if you don't know what it is, Patreon is a way for you to support the show. Most people have a Patreon now. Yeah. No one's getting rich on Patreon. What it does is it makes our time make sense for the time that Ethan and I put into this podcast, especially as touring ramps up. And it helps us do things like keep our website going, put out merch, pay people who help us do our artwork. Uh, if, if if we throw parties, which we usually throw parties mm-hmm. if there's not a global pandemic. Right. Uh, the Patreon helps us pay for those parties. We give out box sets and vinyl, all sorts of stuff. That's what the Patreon's for. You're going to hear a commercial for it. I want to thank Keith Folly and Marcus Chandler. Thank you guys so much. For hopping on the Patreon train, where I, again, imagine us as hobos. But right. I say hobos with loving. I mean, I'm the, we're the head hobo. Or are we, are we, the, are we the conductors and engineers? No, I think we're, we're hobos, too. We're not driving the train? No, because we're on the train. We're on the ride of life. That's true, man. I mean, occasionally you and I will disappear, and they're like, where did Clint go? 
I'm shoveling coal into yeah, the engine we do room. Need to, yeah, we need to put more coal in there from time to time. Well, because the train doesn't run without us, but I don't think we're the conductors because we got to be, we're with the people. Right, yeah. We're hanging out. We're amongst the we're people We're shooting for the sure. shit. Yeah. Talking about Satan and yeah. Jesus. We're opening up our little packs we have tied to our sticks to, exactly. to, to share food with each other. Exactly. Yeah. I have one banana in mine from yeah. six years ago. <laughs> I, have a, I have a can of refried beans that are three years expired. That sounds good. They're still pretty tasty. I will eat expired food. I think uh, expiration date, dates are actually a suggestion. <laughs> right. There is, uh, Heavily I, suggested. I, I, I cannot remember the name of it off the top of my head, but there is a, there is a, a guy that made a documentary about expired foods. <laughs> and uh, uh, his point being that, like, this is basically this the safe general number. Sure. Like, the, I mean, I've had stuff go bad before the expiration date. Yeah. And after. But, um, but there's been times where, like, you just use your judgment. You know, you open something up, you're like, like it says three days ago, give it a sniff. Like, that's most fine. Yeah. No problem. Yeah. Just the old sniff test. Chinese food in the fridge from before I went on tour, three weeks later, still there? No problem. Heat it up. Yeah. Guess what the microwave's going to do? It's going to kill any bad things. Isabel will like throw leftovers away after like one day because she's worried about bacteria. No. And so. No. I think we had leftover mashed potatoes in our fridge for about a week and a half. (laughs) (laughs) No problem. Put some hot sauce on them and you're fine. Dude, heat heat that shit up, man. That was good. Well, anyway, you can support Patreon so me and Ethan don't have to eat three-week-old mashed potatoes. (laughs) (laughs) We do appreciate everyone over there. You're going to hear the uh, commercial, but it really is, it, it, you know, we get told often that people would like to buy us a beer sure. for the hundreds of hours of entertainment content we've made. Right. This is your way to do that. Yeah, exactly. If if given five bucks or 10 bucks a month, it's a little out of your world, I totally get it. You can at least go to iTunes, leave a review. You can go to Spotify, leave a review. We're on all the socials. That's how you can kind of, people want to keep up with where we're touring. People are wanting to come see us play this year. That's right. Yeah. The socials are really the best way to do that. Everyone knows. we're. You know, we're, in, we're getting into a new world here where we're not on the new socials. You won't find us on TikTok. We're not on TikTok or whatever else you kids are using these days. But just the classic old guy uh, socials. Grandma's on Twitter and Facebook. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, America, uh, Amazon Music, Spotify. Yeah, MySpace, Friendster. Easiest way to get a hold of us is through our email address, which is metalupyourpodcastshow at gmail.com. We're going to read a few emails from the family just now. Check in. Take the temp, as they say. Let's do it. Then we're going to get into this blacklist. Let's go. All right, our first email is from Vanna Carpenter. Hey there, guys. It's been a while. It's been a been while. A while. Um, hope you both had a sweet Christmas and New Year's. And uh, and you guys look as if you're totally digging being back on the road. Why, yes, we are, Vanna. I'm going to get right to the point. I was wondering if you guys have noticed something missing in these recent pictures of James. So the rumor is that James got divorced because he's not wearing his wedding ring. Okay. that's She sent us some pictures, and I've... I've seen murmurings of this on the internet right. my general feeling about that is i'm not all that interested oh uh, yeah um people go through lots of diff- i mean um, think about people in your life you know like yeah. i've no people that are separated so the rings are off mm-hmm. um maybe their rings are off because they outgrew it I've, if i've married friends that are happily married they don't wear their rings right yeah um, they might be in that Gene Simmons 70s porn orgy club having fun. That's, that's kind of where I'm at, usually. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, I don't want to sound uh, prudish, you know, about the question. I think it's fine. I get it. People are curious. Sure. People love James and care about him. And and I think people are just curious about their favorite musicians. I'm yeah. curious about... Of course. If you go look at that bookshelf right there, it's almost completely filled with biographies of bands mm-hmm. and artists it is. and filmmakers. I can confirm this. Because I'm curious about the lives of these people that make the things that I love. Yeah, of course. But speculating on his like current state of his marriage, I don't 
it doesn't interest me very much. You know, at the end of the day, all I care about is that he is happy and healthy. Yeah. And that, uh, you know, he's excited about the band and we get some more uh, Metallica music soon. And to be quite honest, as a guy that's been divorced and a guy that's, I mean, I'm 38, you flip a coin, the divorce rates are about 50%. So oh, fl- yeah. flip a coin and a lot of people you know are probably divorced mm-hmm. if you're of a certain age. Most of my friends are divorced. And the truth is, is that sometimes to be happy and healthy, you need to get divorced. Yeah, for sure. And I don't know if that's their case. I, like I said, I don't know. Um, there's something that feels a little icky to me about about talking about that. Yeah, it's obviously very personal. Yeah, I have no, I have no, you know, desire to speculate on reasons right. and things like that. It's not my business, right? And, you know, again, like I, I'll reiterate, I just, I, I, we want, all, we all want James to be the happy and healthy James we know, and his his wife or ex wife as well. Of you know, course, I want yeah, her, of course. I, I, and they have kids, and I'm a child of divorce, and. I have a child that I, you know, these these are matters I think about and have lived through. Sure. And so... Uh, I think I have children out there in the world somewhere. I'm right. not really sure, but... <laughs> hard, for, hard for you to have children if you haven't had sex yet, though. I do know that. Contrary to the immaculate oh, conception and all. Well, I know. shit. I was betting on that one. You have to love someone very much and you have to hug them naked. That's what my mom always told me. Okay. And that's what I've always done. Well, we're about to go on the road tomorrow, <laughs> so get, get ready. <laughs> Thanks, Vanna. I with I'm sure Vanna feels this way. We've known Vanna for a long time. We all hope for the best for Mr. Jimmy James Hetfield. Yeah. All right, Seth Stidham writes, "Hey guys, just a nod to your show. You guys make my evenings, walks, and days so much better. What this podcast does is priceless. I'm a disabled veteran with multiple combat deployments. I live with anxiety and PTSD. I've learned many tricks to help me, and every day my favorite part is lying down and listening about my favorite band, Metallica." I was born in 1980 and came on board with Justice. Clint, you will be pleased to hear that I'm a load guy, too. I am. He says, my list, uh, this is his top 10, starting from 10. St. Anger, Death Magnetic, Kill Em All, Reload, Black Album, Hardwired, Justice, Puppets, Load at number two, and Lightning at number one. You love that one, too. He says, I checked your Let It Burn album, Ethan, and it is truly badass. Well, thank you. Thank you for opening up about struggles and mental illness. Your efforts truly can help people get their signals less crossed. Clint, your voice is hilarious. My only critique, he has a critique for me, Ethan. Uh-oh. Is to go a tad easy on Dave from the mighty Megadeth. Rust in Peace is easily in the conversation of best thrash album of all time. Besides all that, I feel I'm kicking back with you two old friends when I listen. Thank you so much for what, thank you so much for that, guys. Honestly, thank you. I hope your day goes well and love to you and y'all's respectfully and rock on always, Seth. Well, Seth, first of all, thank you for your service. Yeah, of course. Obviously, very very much appreciate the sacrifices you've made. Of course, yeah. And um, really grateful and humbled that Metal Up Your Podcast is part of how you deal with that stuff. Uh, yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, that, 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 that goes a long way for, for guys like Clint and I. Uh, just to hear feedback like that, that we have this one little, little, little tiny part, you know, but I guess to you, an important part to help you through things in your life, and we're appreciative that... That you said those words and that we could be of service to now, you. Now, having said all of that, Seth. We love you, Seth. Having said all that, I hope you're laying down. He says I'm too hard on Dave. What do you think? Um, I think uh, a lot of people need to separate things like, well, Rest in Peace is one of the greatest thrash records ever. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. That doesn't excuse somebody for saying dumb shit. I, honestly, man, I call it like I see it. Sure. I feel like when we're listening to the music, I'm as fair as it gets. I don't right. let. Now, I think he is a complete shithead. Really, based on what I've seen of him, what I've heard and seen him say. Right, these are reactions of things that, that have happened in real life. And you, I, I think you agree he's a shithead. I do. And you're a huge fan, so um, I do try to separate that. My recollections of when we listened to Rest in Peace together is that what I liked about it, you know, I liked a lot. You love Dawn Patrol. 
I love Dawn Patrol. <laughs> um, I think I maybe love it for different reasons than he intended. Yeah. I, I love it because it's it's just an insane song. Well, we and we also have to realize too that like. Just because you know we host a Metallica podcast doesn't mean that Clint or I are going to like every metal record that you guys all like or Clint likes or I like. You know, um, that's just you know that's not how it works with us. We're yeah. we're, we're pretty deep in in musical genres and and our, our taste is pretty wide. So, but well, yeah, I mean, and, and look, it's part of the so- it's it's the double edged sword of why anyone even likes listening to me every week. Which yeah, for some reason, tens of thousands of people do this every week. They like to listen to us. My sauce is. It's a double-edged sword, man. Mm-hmm. Well, and also, I, I don't, I don't, I, I don't give, I don't give blank checks. No, 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 no. no you, I, I would never expect uh, Clint Wells, you sitting in front of me, yeah, just to be, uh, to just basically state a bullshit opinion. No, like the, the, those, I'd be like Clint, you don't actually feel that. But it'd way. be one thing if all I did was harp on him. If I was never like giving it up for the good shit, right? And you do. You know, when we listen to the records, you definitely do. I I honestly actively look for the good stuff. I would uh, I could probably find ten of my friends that I could play a Megadeth record to that would say way harsher shit than you. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean, dude? I feel the exact same way. Like, I feel like when people tell me to go easy on Dave, I'm like, I'm I find the things that are nice about him. I yeah. go out of my way to do that. You're not going out of your way to say negative things. You're just, you, no. like I said, you're reacting to either what you're listening to on a record or what Davis said himself in the press or whatever. But so I get that's it. it. If I was listening to my favorite Bob Dylan podcast and somehow Dave Matthews overlapped in that world a little bit, and every time it did, one of the hosts kind of took a swipe at Dave. Right. I get it. That would annoy me. Yeah. Um, but I would put it where it goes. If I liked the host enough yeah. and I, I knew how he felt about Dave. Yeah. And it really didn't seem malicious. I mean, if Dave was a shithead, <laughs> I'd have to do what you do and be like, I'm a fan of his music because he's a shithead. Kind of like Ryan Adams. Yeah. You know me with Ryan Adams. Sure, of course. We've had many long talks about this. We have. You never hear me defending his behavior or who he is. Of course, yeah, right. I'm kind of like, he's a shithead. It sucks. It sucks to be a fan of somebody that lets you down in that regard. Yeah, Cause I mean, because their music just it hits you where it hits you, and you can't even control it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and and you know, I, I wouldn't say I'm as big a Megadeth fan as you are, maybe Ryan Adams mm-hmm. or Bob Dylan. Yeah, but uh, I still love a lot of Megadeth records, and I have since I was in junior high. Yeah, that's why you love them, by the way. Yes, it's because they, they've had longevity in my. I was life. telling somebody I was writing with this week. We were talking about Kiss, and I was like, I'm just convinced that. You can't get into it unless you did it when you were a kid. Right. Now, there are exceptions. To, there's exceptions to everything on God's green earth. Mm-hmm. So I, I get it. There's some yeah. adult who heard Rust in Peace, and it was the missing record of his life. I'm just saying that's rare. Yeah, I don't think I could play Rust in Peace for my dad right now, and he'd be like, oh my God. There's something sort of childish and cartoonish about metal, which is why so many people get into it when they're kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Right? I 100% agree. Or maybe it's just aggressive music in general. I, I don't think there's a lot of like 48-year-olds getting into Rage Against the Machine. Although, I mean, when I was, even in junior high, like when I was only a couple years into playing guitar, I I still gravitated more towards the melodic stuff. Sure. Which is why I... Because you're a musician. Me, exactly. You're an artist. You know, like when I heard, you know, Slayer, like I, the aggression attracted me, the, the fastness of it and all that. I was like, whoa, this but, is awesome. But that, that kind of sound didn't last long for me. But you're unique because you're an artist. Yeah. Most people aren't that. Most right. people aren't musicians or artists. Right. I'm not saying that we're special or anything, but that's what we are. Yes. And so you were always going to gravitate towards that. Yeah. Most kids that get into metal are interested in the aggression. Mm-hmm. Because when you're a kid... 
you have aggression. Right. You're a lot more aggressive when you're a kid. Yeah, for sure. You mellow out when you get older. And when you're oh, a kid, yeah. you're 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 just more sort of primally in tune with you're becoming an autonomous individual, mm-hmm. but you're still under your parents' control. So you have all this anti-authority, passion, and you if you're a young male, you fucking like aggressive music. Yeah, for sure. I I mean I did, I still do. You know, I have mellowed out a lot. Right. I'm glad that I'm glad that, you know, m- my dad got me into music at such a young age and into instruments at such a young age that you know, my taste in music just fan, only found out wider and wider from there. And I think most Metallica fans have a similar story because Metallica tends to be a band that if you're on the ride with them at the level that we are, most of our listeners yeah. are, they're so big, they swallow everything. Yeah. So, it, it, you know, if you're one of these people that got off the ride after Kill Em All, you're not listening to this podcast. No. And I doubt you're listening to a lot of interesting stuff. I doubt you even have the internet. <laughs> well, I don't want to go that far because I'm sure someone listening is going to be butthurt about whatever we're saying because they don't fit the exact criteria. We're trying to cast a pretty wide net here. Yes, totally. But, you know, the people that are like deep into Cannibal Corpse, I'm guessing that they're that type of niche love. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I'm guessing you stay in that world. They're probably not listening to Reload. Metallica is so big. It's like liking you too. They're the Beatles of metal. Mm-hmm. So you like them because they reach the whole world. Yeah, you can be a mega a Metallica fan and be a, 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 a Depeche Mode fan or a Dave Matthews band. Fan. As I'm here to prove once again right, this Monday, exactly. I'm a huge Bob Marley. All right, fan. I think we all get the point. We need yeah. to move on. Seth, thank you so much, man. Thanks, Seth. Uh, Luna Thomas writes and says, "Hello, brothers. One month after the San Francisco Met party, I'm finally done processing everything that happened. I've actually traveled to the U.S. for the first time all by myself in the midst of a freaking pandemic, and had the best time of my life." Um, I've not only seen my second and third Metallica show with epic set lists, but I've been to the wedding band show on a Friday and the chapel on Saturday to see all the Metallica kids play Castor Hetfield in uh, Basterdane, Miles and Lane Ulrich, and Tapai Houston, and Ty Trujillo and Otto. The best thing about this trip was spending so much time with the Melody Podcast. I can't even say the name of our own podcast. Melody Podcast family. Namarda, Stan Pearl, Anthony, Andrew Sykes, Dave Ferraro, and Christian Post, only to name a few. Um, these are the people uh, to visit the Metalla Mansion and get stranded at HQ with. The only thing missing were you guys. Well, we missed y'all. That sounds right. Yeah. Uh, she ends by saying, didn't feel my my jet lag much uh, since I barely slept or ate, but I'd do it again in a heartbeat. Hope to, hope to see you soon. Linda from Austria, New Jersey. All right. Always good to hear from Linda. Always. All the way from Austria. Hope you're doing well, Linda. I'm glad you got to meet up with everybody in the San Francisco area and had a good time. Okay, our next email is from Cyrus Neighbors. It says, hey there, brothers. I found a new band called Archspire. Archspire. They are a technical death metal band out of BC, Canada. Metallica, Megadeth, Alice in Chains, Anthrax. These will always be the foundational favorites of my metal library. I found that I'm exploring and liking more and more of the extreme genres in metal. So this is basically the one guy that would have written in after he heard of my last rant right. saying, not me, sir. Actually, I have something to say about this. Because it seems that Cyrus is in a phase of life where he's exploring more extreme genres of metal. Okay. He says, technical death metal is the newest genre that I've discovered, and I'm loving it. Arch Spire is my favorite of the bunch. Check out songs Drone Corpse Aviator and Golden Mouth of Ruin. <laughs> Which I'm trying to pull one of these up here. Gold Corpse Aviator. Or Drone... No, it's Drone wait, Corpse wait, drone, you're, you're confused. The other one's I'm Golden a, Mouth I'm of Ruin. I'm combining them. Um, he says, the genre's extremely fast, and I mean fast. The boys in this band play a seven-string, eight-string guitar, and a six-string bass. He says, I know that doesn't necessarily mean skill, but as you, Clint and Ethan, are much more technically adept at music than my high school saxophone experience, LOL. 
I'm curious what your opinion of Archspire is. That well, sounds like it just means they're they they detune. They're playing in really low low keys. I if they're playing seven and eight string guitars. Right, that's usually what that means, right? Is that yeah. it's like degent. Like in, when I played in Demon Hunter, we played baritones because we tuned tuned to drop B. Well, here is a Drone Corp save. We'll, go, we'll listen to a few minutes of this, or like a minute or something. Okay, this is like a movie trailer. This is one of those videos that's gonna make me throw up. This is like cattle decapitation. Whoa. On the table. Take the musket to the coalate. You wanted to. <laughs> um, okay. Um, hot take. Very technical. Very fast. Uh, those drums are a prime example of why you use samples in the studio because that that those, the blast beat that thing. Yeah. I mean, every hit was just so like, clean. So clean, yeah. and it's like the, I mean, the eighth note of your hand doing that. That's. I mean, I would consider me shocked if there's no samples or triggers used on that. He says, I know you probably won't like the vocals, but the technical musicianship, what's your opinion? I'll love it no matter what your opinion. It's just so fast and so technical. I'm not sure what I'm listening to sometimes. I mean, yeah. I agree with that. And that would actually be reasons that I'm not really that into it. There wasn't much for me to chew on personally in that. Yeah. um, That that kind of death metal I remember getting introduced to a long time ago. And it, I don't know. It, something about it never grabbed me. It ne- you know, I never resonated with it. I mean, the closest thing to death metal would maybe be like early Sepultura, but that was more thrashy, anyways. Um, I've never gotten into the, just where the vocals are just straight the whole time. Yeah, you know, like I love screaming. Phil Anselmo, great example, but he also you know had these beautiful melodies as well. Right. Yeah, I agree. All right, thank you for turning us on to it, Cyrus. Uh, happy listening to your new foray into extreme genres of death metal. Yeah, enjoy. All right. Next email is from Joey Wright. He says, what's up, dudes? We need a Tangent City with Tom. Hi, hello. Hello, it's me, Tom. Hello. I always loved when you guys get together. Short and sweet. Um, And this is also another Alabamian. Nice. Yeah, Joey from Florence, Alabama. Yeah, I haven't talked to Tom in a while. I need to I need to reach out to him. I would love to have him on. Yeah, be fun. Um, a tangent city with Tom. That might be interesting. Hello, ha. It'd be hello, hello, hello just, hi for twenty just, minutes. He would just greet us for the whole time. Yeah. yeah, and then we'd be like, "Well, that's all we have time for today." Yeah, thanks for Tom. And then he Tom would Quee. spend the remaining twenty minutes saying goodbye, goodbye, well, goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. And, good night, and salutations, and, and, and off via Zane, and goodbye, good night, and good good day, <laughs> good day, sir. Good day. <laughs> okay, our last email is from our homie Tim Brown. Who has done a bunch of wonderful artwork for oh, us? Yeah. Did the Burrito Gate uh, mm-hmm. T-shirt for us, and uh, I meant, I've been meaning to write back to you, Tim. He's done some Lunar Satan stuff that's that's really interesting, and I haven't written back to him. He's got some concepts, awesome for Lunar Satan Volume Two. Hell yeah! I actually have this idea that I want to do a Metal Up Your Podcast cartoon. And, I love it. And Episode One is me and you cartoon versions of us trying to get to a Lunar Satan concert. That'd be awesome. But we but it's sold out. And we can't get tickets, so that's pa- the pilot episode. Is Paul the door guy? Not, all not of, letting us in. All of the characters from the show are going to be in the cartoon. Oh, Dave and Stan has to be the door guy then. Oh, my God. I'm all sorry. Right. You can't get in here. So Tim Brown writes in. He says, hey, brother's been super busy getting the school ready for holiday concerts. This is a little bit of an order. This is back when we were doing uh, master class stuff. Cool. Uh, getting the school ready for holiday concerts and whatnot, but meant to send an email from the master class episode. So here it goes. So Tim's a teacher. Yes, he is. He's an art teacher. 
Is he an art teacher? I can't remember specifically I know what he's he was a teaching, teacher. but he's okay. a great artist, obviously, too. He says, might be a controversial opinion coming from a teacher, but I couldn't agree more with you, Clint. The scathing review on the whole system is something I absolutely support. So my v- opinions about the master class yes. are well documented on Metal Up Your Podcast. Very. Um, it's obviously a little different teaching art skills to kids from 4 to 12, but the sentiment still holds for me. Art teacher. You want to learn, you got to just jump. You got to just attempt the thing. Students will often try to get me to do parts of projects for them, afraid to risk making mistakes and quote-unquote ruining a project. As they get older and spend more time under my wing, I hope they learn to be more self-sufficient, but you never know with kids, haha. He says, I think as a society, we place too much value on the end product of learning versus the journey to get there. All of these masterclass teachers have failed countless times to reach the success they find now. I'm so glad I got to be there for my students when they do fail and make mistakes, but I also love that they're able to fail through their work. Anyone who thinks just listening and hearing someone else's creative process without applying the, te- the teachings on their own is in for a rude awakening. I obviously greatly support education and teachers, which he says is a very biased opinion, being a teacher himself. Sure. But the work of a great teacher can't hold without equal work from the students. Hope all is well over there, Tim. Thus says uh, Tim Brown Esquire. Yeah, put a mic drop in right there, because that's, that's what I maybe crudely and long-windedly was trying to vocalize about the yeah, whole thing. And for sure. I, I think uh, you you put it where it goes. It's fun to see them. It's fun to see Metallica talk about making Metallica music. Of course. But the idea that they're actually teaching you about the magic is ludicrous because they don't know. Right. And that's it. Yeah. And Bob Dylan said it best. Someone asked him, how did you write Blowing in the Wind? And he thought about it. He looked down con- contemplatively. Mm-hmm. And when he looked up, his cold gray blue eyes yeah pierce into your soul and he said i don't know i don't know just happened i just sat down and wrote a song i mean there's times where i'm sure you've done it too where we you sit down with the guitar and you're just you're not maybe trying to write and you start playing some chords and, and you start of, humming yeah. and you're like oh but that's not i mean you can't teach someone that even it's like you'll just sit you'll, you'll just get there one day you're like you got to learn how to play the guitar you learn how to sing you learn about melody and all this stuff and then one day you'll be sitting there and humming something, and something will come out. Where did that come from? And I you don't know, what else, know. You know what else you got to do? Uh, you got to write a bunch of bad songs. Yes. Because every song you write is another way that you're learning how to write songs and you're gaining confidence that you can get from point A to point B. Yeah. You totally. can finish it. For sure. So as you gain confidence, and, and what did you learn from writing it? And if you're recording at home, which I do almost every day, mm-hmm. you're learning something new about that process too. Yeah, exactly. Oh, this, every, every song is a new opportunity to learn. The acoustic guitar sounds better when the microphone's facing the 12th fret instead of the sound hole. Yeah. Sound hole's too bassy. Right. Or this vocal worked here. I like this compressor on my vocal here. Um, when you get a song birthed and you're listening back to it, you're like, oh, I really like what I did there. Mm-hmm. Or what's really most common with me is, ugh, I, that lyric didn't work. Yeah. That thing I tried to do, it didn't work, but at least I tried it. I really love when Billy Corgan does this thing on this one song from yeah. this album. I want to try to write a song like that. You got to try it. And that's really, rinse, repeat, baby. Do it over and over. If you're a musician and songwriter, you've failed a lot over the years. That's just, you've that's mostly what, failed. Exactly. That's what it is. <laughs> that's what it I is. Mean, that's, I mean, think about it. Or, or you know, it's, it's similar to, you know, people asking about like, oh, I want to get into music. You know, like they might look at someone like me or you who, have, who you know, maybe they only see the good stuff or whatever on social media because a lot of that's bullshit or, or, or a bullshit perspective um, that, you know, even our careers, it's it's all, it's it's mountains, it's peaks and valleys. You know what I mean? Like, a lot of it is sitting around doing nothing. It's boring. It's this and that. It's like, you know, it's a lot of failures too. I've failed auditions or whatever. You know, gotten right. let go from bands. 
it, that's you know it's just part of it. You learn something from it, just like writing and just like art and painting or whatever. So yeah, I agree. Keep at it. And you know, it's not even. I'm not even really coming that hard down on Metallica. They. It was a business opportunity for them, plain and simple. Yeah. And I think a lot of their moves over the next five to ten years are going to be need to be seen as business Now, but if they make a pinball machine, I'm out. <laughs> well, they already did, right? Shit. Yeah. They did. All right. Um, well, listen, thank you to everyone who writes in. We love hearing from everybody. It's Metal Up Your Podcast Show at gmail.com. And honestly, we'll talk about whatever the fuck you want if you want to write in, if we choose to read it on the show. We do give preferential treatment to patrons, of course. Right. Another perk you get over there. Speaking of that, you're going to hear a little commercial for the Patreon. Do consider, if you are willing and able, it only takes a few seconds to get you signed up on it. And then I think once you sign up on Patreon, all the bonuses from the last five years, you get an email with links to all that. Yeah, a lot of that will show up All the cover art will black and EPs, all of our demos and... Covers. Ton, ton, and, yeah. all, oh, all of our quarantine our, covers. Our cover like series cover, covers. Um, and then, of course, you're going to get access to giveaways and, and rare vinyl, and we do Zoom happy hours. and Yeah, for sure. All that stuff. So uh, we'll come back right after that commercial, and we will dig into part three of The Blacklist. Let's go. Hey, everyone. Clinton Ethan here, and we want to tell you about a little thing called Patreon. Patreon is an easy and interactive way to support the people who make the things that you love. For as little as five bucks a month, you can ensure that Metal Up Your Podcast can continue to grow in quality and content. That's equivalent to a cup of coffee or a beer once a month. Not only is it easy and affordable, but we've made it a priority since day one to give back to our Patreon community. We've given away deluxe box sets, rare vinyl, black and whiskey, concert tickets to SM2 and Slane Castle, all four of our Cover Our World Black and EPs, 26 quarantine covers, and Lunar Satan demos, invitations to exclusive Zoom happy hours, the ability to ask our guests like Jay Weinberg of Slipknot, Lizzie Hale, and members of the Metallica crew your very own questions, and eligibility for our Metal Tale series where you can be a guest on Metal Up Your Podcast and tell us all about a notable Metallica show you've been to. Subscribe to Patreon today and immediately get access to years' worth of bonus content. Thank you for supporting the people who make the things that you love. Peace. Adios. I can't talk about it anymore. It's giving me a headache. Here, take two of these. Ah, new print. Little, yellow, different. All right, so first up, we have Alicia Cara and The Warning. The Warning, yeah. Taking on what I think might have been the most ambitious track, which is Inner Sandman. Yes. I, honestly, I do, because biggest hit on biggest the album. Biggest hit ever, yeah. Um, even me as an artist... I would need a pretty big brainstorming sesh to think about how to tackle this song. Yeah, sure. And so let's see what she does. You want to tell us a little bit about her? Yeah, for sure. Okay, so this is first thing I learned. Uh, Alicia Cara and the Warning singer, a totally different band, teamed up. Ah, okay. That's pretty pretty common on these stragglers right, on so, this list. So Alicia Cara is a Canadian pop artist. She's got three albums out. She signed a Def Jam. I didn't know anything about her. She's got hundreds of millions of streams on Spotify. One with over a billion. Wow. I guess she's a big deal. I don't I don't know her, but she's got a kick ass voice. The Warnings are rock band from Monterey, Mexico, formed in 2013 by the Via Real Sisters. Um, and they got some attention because they did a, a cover of Inner Sandman in 2014 on our YouTube page. It got like 22 million views. Wow. So my guess is maybe that's how they got discovered. Um, but they're Well, I can tell you what so far, musically, is yeah. I love this. Yes, I love it. Uh, their charity is Save the Children. We're working in over 100 countries with children specialized in health, education, and protection. 
The drums sound so good. I love her voice. Yeah, me too. She's like, I think she's only like 25 years old. Kind of like me. Yeah, same. We're twins. It's awesome. So good. I love it. Huh? I said, I love it. Kronos! I see Kronos! Like there's a slight nod to the main riff right there. Yeah. But it's essentially a rewritten song with very, very similar melodies. Yeah. I love it. The track sounds really good. Yeah, it's interesting. A lot of this ascending chords, halftime chorus. I love this so much. It's a great take on the chorus. Yeah, it is. It's like making me want to hear Metallica do it halftime. Well, and also they, they don't modulate up to F sharp or whatever, a whole step up. Right. I love that. Yeah, it reminds me of like Lord. Yeah. I wonder how responsible each... Oh, that's cool. I wonder who's most responsible for the arrangement. I'm guessing the band, the Probably warning. Probably the band, yeah. I'm just, uh, I couldn't really find anything on how they linked up. I mean... Well, a lot of a lot of my songs are that kind of collaboration. Right. It's like two or three different artists together. Yeah. Double that up. Yeah. It's just so it's so creative and so their own. I love it. Tripled it up. My friend Erwin used to always call that shoveling eighth notes. Shoveling eighth notes? Well, he was a bass player, so yeah. he was like... That's how he would describe his gigs. Right. Just shoveling eighth notes. That's awesome. Cool harmonies too. It's like a, it's reminding me of Evanescence. That's what I was thinking of. I, I kind of like this better than Evanescence. I, I was a fan of their first album. I, I want to hear a whole record of the Warning and, and uh, Alicia. But I'm guessing Alicia is quite busy with her career. So. Yeah, a billion streams. Yeah. Oh, there it is. Is that the first time they've played the riff like yeah, that? Yeah. Yeah. So that's fun. At the end, they were like, "We're playing the fucking riff." Right. It's the stairway to heaven of the 90s. Yeah. It's cool to hear it at halftime. It really is. Uh, I'm going to give that an 8 out of 10. I'm giving that an 8. Are we doing point? How are we doing halves? You can if you want. Uh, I'm doing an 8.5. All right, well, this is Sabbath True by the Mexican Institute of Sound. Okay. Which is like a, um, it's an electronic project by a DJ. Okay. But this is featuring La Perla and Jera MX. Okay. Oh, I kind of want to move my body a little bit now. Well, don't go and do that. 
I mean, I'm my daughter's like, here. That's true. Okay, so we have the the, the Hetfield's sam actual sample. Stem. So this is this whole thing is based. Uh, producer Camilo Lara created this. Part of a growing Mexican electronica movement encouraging fusions of folk and more traditional music with modern sounds. Okay. I like those horns. <laughs> I'm only saying this because I listened to this record this weekend. It reminds me of Cake. It Did you ever get into Cake? Oh, yeah. Fashion Nugget. Great and their record. second record's great. Comfort Eagle? Yeah, Comfort Eagle's awesome, too. I saw them... Uh, I don't know if you lived here at the time. There used to be a, a festival downtown on the river called River Stages. Uh huh. And I saw them with them and Super Drag together. Which How is was a it? Great show. How was Cake? Fucking awesome. Really? Oh yeah. So essentially, it's, it's similar to what we've listened to before, where it's kind of a a built track, nods to the original, and then the actual vocal from the record. Now, the Macarena. Now, if you and you and I were having some tequila in a club down in Mexico, would I start shaking it a little bit to this? Ninety-nine <laughs> percent sure. Yes. And I would. would I immediately call the policia? <laughs> yes. Uh, would you join me for uh, a little bailar? I would look at you and say, uh, "Senor Clint Balamos, let's dance." Balamos. I liked when the dude was rapping. This, yeah. this is interesting to me only as a curiosity. Right. Like, I like this. This is not bothering me. interesting that I wonder if she actually double tracked it with that weird harmony or if they doubled it and put a, an effect on it. Yeah, I don't it. know. Did you hear that? It's like there's two yeah, of them. It's yeah. like detuned a little bit. It's really interesting. So they must have had access to all the stems. Uh, I would say so, yeah. So they probably said, hey, if your version needs stems, we got them. Right. And here's an NDA or something and if you give these out, we'll kill you. Yeah, we'll, we'll yeah. You will be dead. My friend Kevin was sending me a bunch of Beatles stems. Yeah. This week of like just their isolated vocals and shit. Man, they're. they're it's crazy. There, there's a dude, and I, I think I've sent it to you and Paul before. His Instagram handles the session IG live. Mm -hmm. And he does. He has access to hundreds and hundreds of stems from sessions. It's insane. I mean, like. He's doing like he did. Um, he did the song and Justice for All, and like he had like the isolated bass track. Right. Like, how in the fuck did you get that? Is this stuff that's been passed around from with producers on the underground for years, or what? Well, Rick Beato too. He always has stems. It's so crazy. He has like stems of running with the devil and shit. I feel like there's there's an underground, you know, a bunker, a bunker with the an underground layer. 
where all these engineers and producers meet up to like trade trade stems from records. A lot of them are bust down drums and stuff like that, which is what her stems are. I, but I like, gotta give that a three or a four. That, I, I'll never listen to that again. And no, I want either. I'm gonna go. Th- I'll, I'll do four. All right, so this is White Reaper doing Sabbath True, of course. All right. uh, White Reaper is an American garage rock band uh, born in 2012 from right north of us in Louisville, Kentucky. They got a couple albums out. They're signed to Electra, which is, you know, I guess you'd call that a nod to OG Metallica, but. Yeah. Uh, their charity is called Change Today, Change Tomorrow. Uh, it's an, uh, a black woman led nonprofit organization in Louisville, Kentucky, Kentucky which uh, provides things like public health, free grocery delivery, and education outreach. All right, cool. So far, it's the same. Yeah. I mean, good tones, but I dig the kind of dry drum sounds. And it's it's loose. It's not super tight. It's yeah. loose. Big fat snare. Yeah. Killer voice. Yeah, really. I mean, they're a cool band. I've, I've dipped into them a little bit. Um, Great band name. White, White Reaper. Reaper. Oh, yeah, Shit. awesome. But so far, this is kind of boring to me. Yep. Like, you know, cool that they did their homework. and That's what it does sound like. It sounds like you just did your homework. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like if I was in a band and we were doing a cover... And this is what we came out of the studio with. And then I heard like Chris Stapleton's or Jason Isbell's, you know, um, or or even you know Alicia Cara and the Warnings. I'd be like, oh shit, why did we just do it like this? Yeah, I would immediately feel inferior. Yeah, like it, how about instead of all these songs a hundred times, just pick like the two that are the most indicative of the artist that's doing it right like this would have been a cutting room floor version for me even though it sounds great i mean this band sounds great yeah but who needs to hear this it makes me want to go listen to more of white reaper but at the same time it's like i don't know like 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 you like you say i'm not going to listen to this version again but again i mean not that these things are mutually exclusive but part of this project is an artistic uh, endeavor sure Char- but charitable it, but part of it too is let's get all these bands fan bases interested yeah. in Metallica now if, if, if some if some of their fans hear this and they're like oh, oh, cool. I don't really know Metallica but this is rad yeah. okay so so exactly. far the only difference from the original recording is there's a ride symbol right there <laughs> I mean I mean they're playing the shit good you know but you and I could do that yeah Like, I could see a band that's not known for ripping like this want to do a Metallica song faithfully just to kind of be like, we don't get to rip like this. Right. And that's what's interesting about it. Sure. But I don't, White Reaper sounds like they're probably just a rock band anyway. Yeah. It's, you know, like, it's like Weezer's cover. Like, Rivers is a great guitar player and he'll rip on some Weezer songs. So it's not like, 
It's nothing surprising when he, they do Enter Sandman. I mean, I, I could I could move on. I'm fine to move on. It's fine. Okay. I mean, how do we rate this? Because it's it sounds really good. It and sounds it's a really good. good. I mean, I'll give it a five. It gets really low marks for creativity. There's no. I mean, to me, there's it's there's a verbatim cover. I'm you with know? you. I'll give it a five. All right. Next up, we have the Unforgiven by a band called Ha Ash. Ha Ash. Which is like a. Uh, well, I have it written here. Let me instead of guessing. Um, <laughs> An American Latin pop duo from Lake Charles, Louisiana, formed in 2002. They're two sisters, Hannah Nicole and Ashley Grace, hence Ha Ash. Okay. I like this so far. They have a country influence, and aside from pop music, they have cited influences as Shania Twain, who I love, uh, the Chicks, formerly the okay. Dixie Chicks, who were amazing, sure. and Loretta Lynn. Very cool. I already love the emotion in her voice. It's a yeah. good performance. Very pretty. You can hear some of that country oh, yeah. in the way her voice cracks. Yep. That's nice. That's nice. I mean, what a beautiful song, man. When you hear versions like this, you're just like, geez. Honestly, kind of hot take here. You know, Elton John famously gave James the amazing compliment that he said melodically nothing else matters is one of the great songs, you know? I think Unforgiven's stronger. Yeah. Melodically. I think so. Like the chord progression, the harmonic implications. So I dub the Unforgiven. Ooh. And I think lyrically it's a bigger statement. Yes. Woo! Okay. Oh shit, that's like that's like 70s country, disco country kind of vibe. The halftime deal. Yeah, Loretta Lynn's one right, of their influences. Yeah. <laughs> kind of reggae-ish. I mean, that's... Shaka, yeah, totally. Shaka. arrangement thing there really yeah. right that's kind of weird oh a little spanish spanish which i know they you know a lot of people say that french is a sexy language spanish for me man I mean, this is a wonderful cover. Wonderful, yeah. So they're, apparently they're known... Oh, we've got the horns coming in. Oh, hell yeah, dude. Listen to this. Oh, hell yeah. This mariachi vibe going. Yeah. Oh, I love that. So they're known for their social activism and philanthropy. Oh, she's opening it up. They founded a nonprofit called Fondo, which supports immigrants and children suffering from HIV and AIDS. Awesome. 
Their charity is Save the Children, which helps needy children with food, shelter, medication, and education. Awesome. Well, we've got two more Unforgivens coming up, so we'll see. Yeah. A lot to live up to after this one. For real. I'm going to give that a seven. I'm going to give it, I'm going to go, shit, man, I'm going to go 7.5. It's a little higher. I feel like you're just going to put a point five on all of my ratings. Probably. Uh, another Unforgiven. This is uh, Jose Modero. Sorry, I said Jose. <laughs> Jose Modero. Jesus. Uh, he's a, he, so check this out. He was a vocalist in a, a well-known Mexican rock band, PXNDX, which is pronounced, they pronounced Panda. Okay. Um, they did not, they released nine albums before this dude went solo, and, and since... I think 2016, he's released six solo, sorry, uh, five solo albums, and uh, pretty successful in the uh, the Latin American world. Uh, his uh, his uh, charity is Nuevo Amanecer. It's a uh, basically Latino children's services. It was established in L.A. on '94. It's a bilingual as a bilingual, uh, and it was created to serve children with a full range of services, therapeutic, family-based treatment especially Latino children in Southern California who have uh, developed mental issues and have been victims of physical abuse, neglect, abandonment, or sexual abuse. He's got a pretty great voice. I like all the ambient stuff. Yeah. It's fucking sick. Yeah. Did you pre-listen to these? I did, yeah. Okay. I love the kind of halftime. It's kind of an implied halftime. Yeah. Really subtle, kind of organic sounding, percussive stuff. Yeah. Some cool synthy stuff back back there. Interesting little variation on the guitar. Yeah. I mean, Duke could sing his ass off. If I could sing like that, you would just never see me again. <laughs> I'd tell you what, I would be singing all the time. Exactly. I'd be just on a mountain <laughs> singing. Yeah. It, I mean, even in my car, the windows would all be down so everyone could hear me at every red light. People would be like, damn it, that guy my can sing. My life would be that. so different if I could sing like that. Like that guy in that 97 Foreigner? Fuck, that guy can sing. You said he was in a rock band? Yeah, called Pan- Panda. So he's got the chops. For real. I think we said uh, something similar about singing when we listened to Dermot Kennedy's. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, goddamn, this is really good. <laughs> it is. Yeah. 
killer like fuzz guitar. Yeah. Jumps up to the harmony there. I mean, you can just you can hear on a lot of these that there was time put into it and care. Well, it's a great recording. Yeah. But you well, know, like shit. I dude. mean, that's good. I mean, I'm gonna give that an eight. Oh, eight point five. I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm with you on an eight on that one. What we got, Clint? Okay, this is an artist named Moses Sumney. He's a I'm just thinking how to say this. He's from he's he's from Ghana Ghanaian descent. Okay, a Ghanaian American. I think I'm saying that wrong. I apologize to all of our listeners in Ghana. Uh, Singer songwriter. I think I believe he's based in L.A. Um, he he's kind of in the kind of art world of like a Saint Vincent. He tours with Saint Vincent, right. Sufjan Stevens. Okay, he's kind of one of these guys that was more big artists like that kind of found this guy. Yeah. And are, are, Amplifying him, you know. Okay, is he a bass player? He's just a musician. Okay. So he, I think he's mainly plays guitar. Okay. His charity is called Different World, which is a culture house and creative hub in Asheville, North Carolina, that seeks to connect underground arts and to break down barriers of entry to the creative industry. Okay. With time the child draws in the sweeping Wow, it's intense. It isn't, yeah. The track just sounds like bass, like, like a low bass and then a fretless yeah. doing something. Maybe it's all one track, I don't know. beautiful yeah his voice is it's creepy yeah i know that's a lot of the performance as well but i'm saying that as a good thing by the way well he's got these i think two two doubles have come in on each side yeah they're not doing harmonies they're just doubled so there's a harmony it's definitely a bass yeah It's a very vulnerable performance. Very much so, yeah. I did not expect to be listening to three Unforgivens in a row and loving all of them. I know, damn. <laughs> they brought heat, dude, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Ooh, that was cool. There's all sorts of sorts of small little melodic changes he's yeah. made that are like that. Yeah. <laughs> I was a little skeptical when I heard that long bass intro. I was like, oh, what's this? C- consider me shocked. I mean, 
This might be the most powerful, like, stripped down one I've heard. Yeah. Understated one. I mean, it's very evocative, very moody. Oh, yeah. It definitely is playing with all the, the dark, the dark or, original vibe. Oh, for sure. A lot of regret in the vocal. Yeah, I mean, the vocal, this, this is... Overall, it may like one of the other two better as a whole, but this vocal performance... I agree. It's so passionate and, and I mean Actually you know what you know gosh. how good this is? This is so good that it's number two. I think that Jose Madero was my number one. Yeah. But this beats out the um the Ha Ash one, which I loved. Yeah. There was something kind of cutesy about the Ha Ash one. Yeah, for sure. Still it's still great. Listen to this shit. That's, that's some Beatles shit. Like right there. Seal. Did you ever get into Seal? Not deep, but yeah, I mean, those, Kiss, those Kiss, rec- Kiss from a Rose, I know, you know. Those records are worth checking out. Yeah, Crazy is a They're, great song. Oh, I love Crazy. I'm not crazy. Man, what an outro. Little Prince action. Damn. He's like, I can't play that solo on my bass, so let me just bring all this other heat. <laughs> How about this? Dude, this is- that's Motown shit. Yeah. Wow, this is a trip, man. <laughs> I know. Jeez. Wow, that was... Damn. Uh, that was real good. Listen to that. That's Prince that's shit. Barry White right yeah, there. Yeah, he's, he's got a crazy range. <laughs> crazy. Wow. All wow, right. way to go, Moses Sumney. All right, we're moving into Nothing Else Matters territory. Yeah, Nothing Else Matters. This version is Mon Leferte. Uh, Mon is a Chilean singer, songwriter, musician. Uh, she's known for her musical versatility, having composed songs on a wide variety of genres such as pop, rock, bolero, uh, cumbia, and salsa. Uh, she is also cur- currently. I love the, I love that right there. By the way, flutes, flutes, or whatever. It just it sounds like Lord of the Rings or something. Yeah, I totally. Love it. Uh, Gandalf. Gandalf. Oh, I can't. Ha- I can't carry it, Sam. <laughs> Sam, wise, I can't it's go on. It's too heavy, Sam. Precious. What will Bilbo say? What Bilbo Baggins won't like this. Gimli, Gimli, I can't carry it, Gimli. Please, S- someone, please get legless. What's the yeah, legless? Yeah, legless. Use your, <laughs> use your eyesight to see miles and miles away. Aragorn, uh, Aragorn. tell Gimli <laughs> the eggs are ready. Gandalf. Beautiful voice. Oh yeah. Uh, that translates to nothing else matters, right there. Oh really? Yeah, just I didn't speak. know you spoke French or Chilean. We. Oui. Uh, and her uh, mom's charity is called UN Women. It's a uh, global champion for gender equality, working to develop, to uphold standards, and create an environment in which every woman and girl can exercise her human rights and live up to their full potential. Rad. Pretty faithful arrangement. Yeah, obviously different instrumentation, which is making it, that kind of makes it more, uh, I guess, Similar to where she is from, too, and obviously being in Spanish as well, but 
that's kind of that Chilean phrasing. Yeah. Tell you what, man. There's no shortage of great singers on this thing. You know, there's there, there's just people bringing heat vocally. I will say too, like this, there's a really great world music vibe. I mean, it's just yeah, so many different um, parts of the world represented mm-hmm. on this album. A lot of Latin America on this yeah. thing. I love it. different artist but it reminds me of Bjork yeah who's Icelandic but just the way she's phrasing stuff for sure now that I'm hearing it too I'm maybe wanting to take back my unforgiven comments yeah I mean this song is beautiful beautiful The, the melodic vibe of this song is crazy it's insane yeah well, they can both be one, two of the greats, yeah. you know, of all time, on the same album. Same album, man. Although I think I think you put Fade to Black in there, yeah, in terms of melody, yeah, for sure. In a way that I think is well, I, I think melodically, Fade to Black even over one or Sanitarium. Uh, melodically, yes, yeah. I mean, the Sanitarium and Fade to Black outros. Melodically and with har- the harmony, guitar harmonies and stuff are just so good. Another good example of a, a passionate performance. Yeah. Not only can this girl sing her ass off, but just how she's delivering it in the studio is wonderful, man. string solo sounds great strings are accentuating that The finger-picking vibe of the song lends itself well to like oh, yeah. a Latin Absolutely nylon does. string vibe. For sure. Well, that was beautiful. Yeah, yeah. amazing. Uh, I guess I got I to gotta give that like a 7. I'm going 8 on that one, man. Cause it, it, it loses points because it's just, it's just a very pretty, delicate version of the song yeah. with Spanish singing and female vocal right I don't know man but yeah I mean I really I really really love that way to go Mon Lafert Laferte alright up next we have Chase and Status featuring Backroad G who's a rapper okay this is an English electronic duo 
Uh, this is Rome. I'm guessing that's back row G. Okay. So, Chasing Status is Saul Milton and Will Kennard. They run the independent record label MTA Records. Their charity is... That's pretty cool. I dig the beat. Charity is East London Arts and Music, a full-time in- industry academy. Charity is actually pretty cool. It's a it's an industry academy for 16 to 19 year olds interested in pursuing a career in music, film, television production, and game design. That's awesome. So kind of like an incubator. Reminds me of Tricky. <laughs> the beat's sick. I love that beat with the sitar behind it. Thing. Honestly, you know who kind of brought that in the pop mainstream is Post Malone. Oh, uh, with, with the little noises. It, honestly, it reminds me of the Gorillas. Oh yeah, they do they do some stuff like that here once in a while, like on that uh, little like silly noises kind of. I mean, this to me feels like a, a soundtrack song. Yeah, for sure. It does. Or it's like they play this at the club, you know? Gets people dancing because it's got a rap beat behind it. But that trap bass, too, is... The, you, hear when the, you hear when it comes out. It's the trap bass that you're really feeling. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's got a, it's got a pretty, vibe. pretty effective creepiness. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I keep thinking like you said soundtrack. Like I, you'd hear this in a movie like Blade or something, or <laughs> Mortal Kombat, or even or even like The Matrix or something. You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking of. Okay, well, yeah, that's fun. You I mean, know, it's fine. I'll give it a five. Yeah, I'll probably give it a four. Four. I, I really enjoyed this, the backing track a lot. That was the highlight for me. All right, this is uh, PG Rock Set. So PG Rock Set um, is remember the band Rock Set? Yeah, from Sweden. He's the dude from Rock Set. Okay, yeah, Peter. Um, so he, yeah, he's best known as as one half of Rock Set, which they disbanded like two years ago because the, the the girl in the band passed away, unfortunately. But if you don't know Rock Set, um, and this girl, whoever this is, this vocal's amazing. She wasn't credited. Oh, really? At least not. I mean, nowhere I could find it. It, it just has his PG rock set, and those are his initials. So what does he do for rock set? He he does all the tracks, and then he sings a verse. Okay. But if you don't know rock set, look up the songs, listen to your heart, and it must have been love. Some yeah. 80s ballad jams. Oh, yeah. They had that record that was big called Look Sharp. So she's not credited? The singer? Well, you know, it, 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 uh, at the very least on Spotify, which is where I pull these up, it'll have who's all on the track, and it was just him. 
Which is a bummer because I want to know who this is. Synth heavy. Yeah. That's him. That's Peter. That's, that's him. Which I don't. His voice is okay. I'd, I'd rather hear that girl. It's a little nasally. Yeah. Which he, the, he can't help. Yeah, Ooh, sure. a little sexy guitar. Oh yeah. A little sexy '80s guitar. But uh, their uh, their charity is called the UN Refugee Agency, and they strive to ensure everyone has the right to seek asylum, find safe refuge in, refuge in another state, with the option to eventually rehome, integrate, or resettle. I love her voice. I, know, I love me, the me track. Too. Yeah, track's awesome. His voice is a little rough for me. I'm kind of a sucker for drum machines. Yeah. For the, the right thing. Oh, I mean, yeah, for I, sure. I like real drums mostly. Absolutely. Going to A minor for the solo. So I did find a list. I found like, here's a list of people. It, it could be there's two different females that are listed. Helena, Helena, uh, Yosef, jo- Josephson, Dia Nornberg could be one of them too. It's a rad voice though. She went for it on that one. Oh yeah. But like just sing just sing the title a few times. That low, yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I like all the kind of '80s Pink Floyd guitars. Yeah. Um, that one pretty good. I mean, it's pretty good. I, I, six. I was, gonna, I was gonna say six as well. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think that uh, Peter from Roxette is, is kind of known for maybe a bit of an '80s thing. I, I gotta be honest, I, I haven't followed what he's or they have done. Since probably that album looked sharp, but um, it's a great sounding track, and she sounds awesome. Um, but yeah, I don't know if how many times I'd listen to that again. So yeah, six. For me. There's this, everything I liked everything about it, really, except his voice. I loved the track. I loved her voice, but there is a sense of listening to that of like it doesn't really present a purpose. It it just it's it, fine. I'd rather hear Phoebe Bridgers again. Oh, Phoebe Bridgers. Well, so far that's made my top ten. Oh yeah, that's in my top ten. Um, all right, the last song for today is Dave Gahan. I don't know how to say it right, but this is the lead singer of Depeche Mode. Awesome. So it's fitting that the uh, last two songs on today's list are former '80s. Well, he's still in Depeche Mode, but yeah. they're known for their '80s. Oh yeah, Personal Pol- Jesus, Policy of Truth. You know. Yeah. So here's their take on Nothing Else Matters. Um. This dude's known for his commanding stage presence and deep baritone voice. Correct. His charity is World Central Kitchen, which seeks to feed the hungry and believes food is a universal human right. I don't disagree with that. 
production uh, so far is right up my alley. Oh yeah, you got an ambient bed. So close, no matter how kind of an affected piano. Yeah. Ooh, that was a cool different chord change. Personal. Jesus. Jesus. Nothing else matters. Oh, he put the hard T on the matters. Matters. Matterhorn. See if he, There it is, right there, that one. Life is ours, we live it our way. That's normal. All these words I don't just say. Nothing else matters. Trust I seek and I find in you. Every day for something new. I think it's going E minor G. Sounds like DC. A Yeah, so there's some different chord changes yeah. here. I love the track. This also sounds like kind of soundtracky. Yeah. Yeah, the track sounds awesome. Another thing that's sort of subtly hypnotic about this song is the 6-8 waltzy vibe of it. Repetitive vocals. But I just even mean like the rhythm of it, the, t- the, the heartbeat of the song. It's one, like a ship two, swing, three, you know? One, two, three, one, two, three, one, two. Yeah, for sure. It just sort of... Yeah, it puts you in a trance. Yes, it's hypnotic. I love all these ambient textures. Yeah. That's, that's hard to do. Yeah, that sounds great. Really interesting chords. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah, wow. Interesting. Life is ours. Cello. Ooh, that low end thing came in there sounds great. Trust I seek and I find in you every day for something new. Open mind for a different view, and nothing else matters. Well, shit, man, this one's really good too. <laughs> I know. I wonder if he has the vocal chops to go up an octave. Like, it'd be cool, I don't if, know. It'd be cool if he jumped up. He may not be able to, though. Yeah, I mean, this is what he's known for, so. It sounds like it's about to explode. I know. But I don't think it's going it's to. It's kind of cool that it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah, the, not vocally, but musically, this is almost like a Radiohead. Yeah. Kind of a late 90s Radiohead take on it. I, I mean, I hear some Trent Reznor in there, too, you know. 
Sonically, this is a trip, man. Houston, we have liftoff. I mean... That's powerful. I feel like it deserves a seven, but I'm going to give it an eight just because I... See, I was going seven. Um, I really liked that quite a lot. Uh, yeah, it was good. Well, a lot of heat today. This top ten is going to be tough. A lot of heat, man. I, th- I mean, there was only one song today that we were like, okay, we can end this early. Well, we didn't really love that the Mexican Institute of Sound. I don't think we were either was super blown away by the uh, chase and status. Um, yeah, the White Reaper one was... But and yeah. then the White Reaper. So there are three today that are kind of dudsy. But I mean, shit. But that that the Alicia Cara seven. Sandman, the Jose Madero, Unforgiven for Me, um, and I, I guess I'm gonna have to give it up for this Dave Gahan. Nothing else matters. That Moses Sumney Unforgiven was killer. Well, like I said earlier, I, I did not expect to listen to three Unforgivens in a row and be really, really excited. Like I can I can tell you this. Um, several. Several of these songs today have already bumped songs off my list. Like for example, um, I had because we were we talked about maybe doing our top tens today. Yeah, I had Royal Blood Sabbath True in my top ten. That's gone. That's gone. Okay, okay. Um, I'm waiting until we do all of them to to narrow down. I had Imelda Maze, The God That Failed, in my top ten. Gone. You that's gone too. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it's gone. Okay. All right. For sure. I mean, th- there's definitely two songs to, that we listen to today that are now in my top ten. Yeah. So I mean, that's what's fun about it. I think one of the top ones for me just today was Jose Modero. I thought he was. Great. Oh my gosh, dude, that was so good. Yeah, his was and awesome. and you know what's crazy too is we're gonna you know leave the people with this really great version of Sam Fender's uh, Sabbath True. So, yeah. and we started the top of the episode with Jason Isbell's great Sabbath True, and we've already featured like the, you mentioned the Phoebe Bridgers. Nothing else matters. Yeah, um, the Miley one, although it didn't make my list, is really good. It's Miley and Elton John. Yeah. Um, that Biffy Clyro holier than thou. Mm-hmm. That one's off, great. Holier off one, than yeah. Now. So there's a lot of good sauce in here. I gotta say, man, when this thing first came out, I was like, man, this is a lot. But I, I'm I have really enjoyed way more songs from this than I was expecting. Me too. Yeah, I was expecting it maybe like oh, I could uh, hopefully I'll get into like five or six of these. I think but. we did it right for the show where we're just doing it in pretty digestible, yeah, little nugget. You know, yeah, little for ten, sure. ten songs at a time. Give them all a fair shake. Do it together. I couldn't um, imagine doing an episode of 53 songs. That would have been tough. <laughs> been a long episode. Some blacklist fatigue, Especially for sure. when you get to that Nothing Else Matters. There's like 10 of those. Yeah, I know. There's just way too many. All right. Well, that was fun. We did um, it. We will see you guys next week where we will finish out. And you know what might be fun to do is have people send in Metal Up Your Podcast Show at gmail.com, maybe some of their favorites from the blacklist. Yeah, for sure. I haven't really heard a lot of the community talking about the album. Again, I think it's a daunting. It's daunting. It is daunting. Yeah, I think people probably gravitated towards artists they knew, like we did. I mean, right when it first came out, I, I immediately went to Jason Isbell or Staple sure, Center, yeah, or whatever. But um, but now that we're dissecting it, it's like, oh, like I, I need to make a, a little playlist of all my favorites or something, you know? Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, is there anything to say before we split? Uh, I, I got to say that uh, you guys will, will be home by the time you listen to this episode. But Clint and I are leaving for the road tomorrow for a couple shows, and I'm real excited to get back out there. Hmm. Been looking forward to it. Okay, cool. All right. Well, we love you guys. Take care of yourselves. Take care of your families. We'll see you on the next. Uh, I was going to say the next flippity floppity. The next flippity floppity. That's fine. All right. Peace. Adios. Hey, I'm your life. I'm the one who takes you there.
Say, then I would say, delete that. <laughs> 